The reading this morning is taken from Acts chapter 20, and you can find it on page 1117 in the Pew Bible. Acts chapter 20, beginning to read at verse 17. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me then. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must keep the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said that, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed them. What grieved them most was his statement 
that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. This is the word of the Lord. Well, um, we've got the, the, the young people who are in this morning. I thought we could you know, maybe start with a game, and there's all kinds of games we could play. Um, I thought one particularly boring game that we could play would be try and guess why Simon picked this passage, um, because there's lots of, of kind of obvious points of contact. Um, uh, Paul is a pastor who's saying goodbye to, to people that he loves. There are lots of tears. It's a, it's a hard, sad day. Um, verse uh, uh, 37, they, they embraced him, they wept, they kissed him, and they were, they were just they were, um, heartbroken as he went. Um, there are. Uh, it was a time of sorrow. It was a time of uncertainty. Verse 22. Um, uh, now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. And there's there's this kind of sense of uncertainty for Paul, but also for us as a church. What's going to happen next? Um, there is. Um, it's a time of great spiritual danger. Verse 29. I know after I leave, savage wolves will come in from among you and will not spare the flock. Um, now, if you push the parallels too hard, it breaks down because you've got Paul here in this passage gives this defense of his ministry where he's just been incredibly courageous and um, bold and faithful and wise in the way that he's gone about his ministry. And um, <laughs> I wish I could say that. I really wish I could say that. You know, there's no false modesty when I say I look back over the last seven years. There are so many things I wish I could have done differently. Um, so we're not going to push the parallels too far this morning. Um, the, uh, the reason I've picked it, um, well, you might know this. If, you, if you've got a very good memory for very average sermons, on the uh, 4th of September 2016, this was the very first passage I ever preached at St. James. And I hope that over the years we've grown uh, together, we've matured together in Christ, we've changed, has been through an awful lot together, but God's word and his gospel haven't. And so I thought I'd come back here for, for one last uh, final message, um, three headings, uh, one last warning, uh, one last comfort, one last plea, uh, one last warning, this is not your church, this is not your church. And um, what I mean by that is we need to think very carefully about who owns things. And I thought this might be a better game, is we could have a go at guessing who different things belong to. So um, uh, I've got something from me, uh, from Josie, from Janice and from Malcolm. Uh, so standing committee, uh, so, so Malcolm, and Janice is, uh, Malcolm and Josie is our wardens, Janice is our treasurer. Um, Donna, I, I didn't manage to get to in time. And something from me. And I want to see if you can guess... Who each thing belongs to. Do you reckon, you reckon that'd be a good game? Let's give it a go. Let's give it a go. Okay. Uh, item number one is a plate with cows on it. And there's a clue. If we do, do you want the clue? No? Okay, let's see if you can do it without the clue first. Okay, we've got, the, we've got a um, bit of light bedtime reading. A biochemistry textbook, third edition, international student edition. We have a window back. And we have a cat. I've got the wrong way around, haven't I? Sorry. I've got to protect its, its tail. Right, okay. Um, how are we going to do this? Why don't we go, why don't we go through everyone in, in order? Let's, let's see. Um, so, why don't we do a bit of voting? Uh, okay, so the plate with the cow on it. Malcolm, would you stand up for a moment? So, hand, hands up if you think that's Malcolm's. Hands up if you think that's... Uh, Josie, would you stand up? Everyone's been with Josie at the back. Uh, anyone think that's Josie's plate? 
Janice, would you stand up for us? Anyone think that's Janice's plate? Oh, okay, all right. And, uh, and anyone think it's my plate? All oh, few hands go out. Okay, all right. Okay. Um, what about um, what about the textbook? Biochemistry textbook, but a light bedtime reading. Malcolm. Uh, so if Malcolm stands up. Votes for Malcolm. Uh, Josie votes for Josie. Uh, Janice votes for Janice, and votes for me. No one. Th- oh, okay. There's a few people who think I read a biochemistry textbook before bed. That's that's, that's very kind of you. Um, the tin cat. The tin cat. Okay, let's do it again. Uh, Malcolm. <laughs> Sorry, Malcolm. We get, get standing committee some squats in. Okay, some votes for Malcolm. Votes for Josie. Votes for Janice. Votes for me. Okay. And um, the window back. Uh, votes. Uh, votes for Malcolm. Oh, Malcolm, you're getting a lot of votes for that. Okay, Josie. Couple of votes for Josie. Votes for Janice. Votes for me. Okay, um, I did pretty well at that. Okay, here we go. Um, the plate, the clue is, what do you do with this? You eat off it. It's ja- well done. Okay, if you got that right, that's Janice's plate. If you got that right, um, uh, give yourself a point. You've got to keep uh, track of your own scores here. Um, biochemistry textbook. Um, Josie. Um, if, if you, yeah, um, helpful exercise, um, helpful uh, bit of uh, nighttime reading if you're struggling to get to sleep. Um, respect to anyone who can get through that. Um, uh, and who, uh, did you keep your score? Anyone, anyone got two so far? Oh, two, okay. Uh, the cat, um, Malcolm, this beautiful cat. Does the cat have a name, Malcolm? This one. Okay, the real cat has a name, but this one doesn't. And the window back. I'm such a loser. I really like this window back. It just kind of just after you know, makes cleaning the bathroom so much more fun. Um, so okay, so um, did anyone anyone get anyone want to admit to getting none right? Anyone get one? Anyone get two? Anyone get three? Anyone get four? Oh, good work. Well done um, to everyone who got four. Um, that's, that's very impressive. So the, the game is, who does it belong to? And, and that was kind of tr- it was quite tricky, wasn't it? There were some, some kind of ones in there to try and throw you off. Of course, when ownership is disputed, it gets even harder to work out who something belongs to. And I'm sure this never happens in any family that is represented here. But you know what happens when there's disputed ownership of something. And, and one person says, it's mine. And then the other person says, no, it's mine. And someone else says, I had it first. Someone says, well, I had it last. And someone else says, well, you gave it to me. And you well, I want it back. Um, has that ever happened to anyone here? Yeah, okay, all right. Um, here's the question. Here's the question I want us to think about this morning. Who does the church belong to I can do with a, with a few volunteers. Um, any of the, if any of the young people want to come up and, and help us, no, you're going to come up. Ben, you're going to come and help. Matthew, could you give us a hand? James, uh, Big Noah, do you want to come and give us a hand? You don't have to. Thanks, James. Any, anyone else want to come and give us a hand? Thanks, Matthew. Josh, can I borrow you? Is that you? Is, is it right if I borrow you? Just, um, just need some muscles for this. You don't have to. You don't have to. You're welcome, you're welcome to. Chris, can I borrow you? Thank you, mate. All right, okay.
So the question is, who does the church belong to? Does the church belong to you now? Okay. Is the right answer. It belongs to Jesus, but there are lots of different people who think they, it belongs to them. So um, here is uh, the uh, the bishop's hat. Um, Noah, do you want the bishop's hat? Okay. Uh, and uh, here is here is the license the bishop gave me uh, when I was um, uh, licensed here. I've got to send it back in the post this week. Uh, it's a very important document. I mustn't lose it. So guess what I did at nine o'clock? Um, uh, I, I couldn't find it, but it has turned up. Um, the bishop at my licensing said, receive the cure of souls, which is both mine and yours. So the bishop thinks this is his church. Okay. Um, we've also got, um, this, is, this is the only bit of clothing I could find that has uh, the orderly crest on it. So um, there we go. That's, uh, um, this, this kind of represents the, the village, the community who are saying, we've had, you know, people, people come and say, look, my family have been buried here since 1048. It's about half an hour ago. Um, but uh, this course, this church belongs to us. All right, so Matthew, you're going to put that on. Um, and, then, and then you've got the church family here. Um, I, can't, I haven't got any St. James branded clothing, but you know, our brand is, you know, the, the sign's blue. So here's, here's a blue shirt to represent the congregation. Maybe we should have a few different um, groups of the, the congregation. But we, we've got the congregation who say, well, look, we're the ones on the coffee rotor. We're the ones who maintain the building. We're the ones who pay parish share. Of course it's our church. And then, and then you get the vicar. Um, sorry, Josh, you just kind of hold that on there for a moment. And um, oh, sorry, Chris, sorry. And um, there we go. The vicar, dashingly good-looking, um, witty, charming, sophisticated, basically James Bond with a dog collar, um, comes along and he thinks it's his church. And then what happens when everyone thinks? Let's say this represents the church. Could everyone just grab a grab a corner of that for me? Just wait a moment. Wait a moment. There we go. No, you're going to take a corner. Kristen, you take a corner as well. All right. No. Okay. If I take the glasses, why don't you put the hat... So bishop, we'll leave the bishop's hat for a moment. Okay. Now, if everyone says it's mine and gives a good tug, let's see what happens. Okay. <laughs> um, what happens when we find out... Like, who does something belong to? Brilliant. Okay. Well done, everyone. Thank you. Um, okay. Right. Well done, everyone. Let's sit down now, my love. Okay. That's enough. It is actually mine, so I'm going to take that back. But um, okay, you can go and sit down for a minute. Um, okay, uh, who? What, what happens when we? When we? Uh, what is the warning? The warning is: remember, this is not your church. Who does it belong to? It belongs to the Lord Jesus. Uh, that verse that we're thinking about this morning, Acts chapter 20, verse 28: Be shepherds of the church of God, which He bought with His own blood. Um, uh, so, so the scary thing is what happens when churches forget that. And I know we know that's the right answer, but how many times have there been in the last couple of weeks when someone has said something like, which church do you go to? Oh, my church is St. James. And it's so easy, isn't it, for that to morph from being St. James is the church I belong to to St. James is the church that belongs to me. And for the church in Ephesus, who were kneeling with, with Paul on the beach, they loved him, they loved the Lord Jesus. We've got these beautiful letters that Paul wrote them in the Bible, in Ephesus, Ephesians and, and 1 and 2 Timothy. Just a generation later, as the, as the Lord Jesus speaks to the church in Ephesus through um, uh, the Apostle John in the book of Revelation, he, he commends them. He says they, they've got all the right answers. They know the truth. Uh, but he says, yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love. 
Remember the height from which you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you don't repent, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand, your church, from its place. And I'm told if you go to Ephesus today, there is nothing but ruins. City with with nothing there apart from a, a lot of mosques and minarets around the place. It is very, very scary when a church forgets who it belongs to. Uh, We make it a place for our glory, not for Jesus' glory. It's a place where we want to see everyone transformed into our image, to become more like us, rather to be transformed into Jesus' image. And I want to say I'm so sorry for all the ways I've, I've done that over the last seven years. We all kind of slip into it, don't we, by almost by default. I'm so sorry for the ways I've done that. May the Lord forgive me. May you forgive me. Um, one last warning to my own soul and to yours. Remember, this is not your church. But one last comfort. Remember, this is not your church. It, the warning and the comfort are, are exactly the same. There's a sense in which it's okay that we get this wrong so often. We don't live up to our own principles as Christians, as um, you know, ministers get uh, fall into scandal, that act appallingly. Um, things, churches go off the rails. It's not okay, and yet there is a sense in which it is okay. I put in the email this week, the church is the only organization in the world that has a, a doctrine of its own fallibility. Isn't that lovely? We know we get it wrong, but we know we've got a saviour who never gets it wrong. And inexplicably, we cannot understand it. For some reason, he loves us with uh, all the infinite, eternal love of the Creator God. And I told this story um, seven years ago. uh, I thought it still makes the point. I'll tell it again. The story is told of a boy who made a boat. And and he poured his heart into making this boat. He he got the wood, chose just the right bit of wood, fashioned it, um, shaped it, sanded it. uh, uh, And he he made the bowsprit and he made the the hull. And he he, he got the the masts and the rigging and the sails just right. And he he painted it. And he painted the figurehead and the name. and uh, and, And he varnished it. And this thing was beautiful. It was an amazing piece of work. And he took it down to the lake. And it was such a proud moment as he, he was there. And it, the, the wind filled the sails. And it, just his heart was filled with joy. The problem was the string he tied on wasn't strong enough. And the wind took it. And, and the string snapped. And it went straight out into the middle of the lake. And it wasn't coming back. He, and he, he waited there for, for hours to see if it would come back. And so that night he... He kind of trudges home um, with his head down. He doesn't really want any supper um, for days and days and days afterwards. There's just that kind of nagging, gnawing sense of loss and grief at this beautiful boat that he had poured his soul into. And he's walking down the high street and he sees in the shop window one day, um, a few weeks later, he sees his boat in the window of the shop. And he can't believe it. He does a double take. No, that is his boat. And he, and he bursts into the shop. And he, and he says, Mr. Mr., that's my boat. That's my boat in the window. I, I need my boat back. Uh, can I have my boat back? And the shopkeeper says, well, Sonny, you've got to pay for it like anyone else. And, and so, he, so he dashes out the door, sprints down the road, sprints as fast as his legs to carry him. He's terrified someone else is going to get there first and buy the boat. Sprints up the stairs, grabs his piggy bank, smashes it, gets out all the money he has. All his Christmas money, all the money he's been saving up, counts it just enough. Sprints back up the street, lungs burning, hearts burning, slams it down on the, on the till, takes the boat. 
And as he walks out of the shop, he holds it to his chest and he says to the boat, you are twice mine. You are twice mine because I made you and I bought you back. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. And if you are a Christian here this morning, the Lord Jesus comes alongside you this morning. He holds you close to his heart and says, you are twice mine. I made you and I bought you back. And he holds the church to his heart. And he says, you are twice mine because I made you and I bought you back. And that is our one last comfort this morning, that it's not our church. None of us loves the church enough for it to be safe to be ours. And someone, someone might say on the Saturday, Simon, speak for yourself. I love this church family. Of course you do. But none of us love it quite like this. The church of the living God, which he bought with his own blood. One last warning. This is not your church. Remember, this is not your church. One last comfort. Remember, this is not your church. One last plea. One last plea. Remember, this is not your church. Um, This preaching thing isn't that hard, is it? Like, what on earth earth have you paid me a stipend for? You'll be fine with that. It's the same heading three times over. Ask for your money back if I was you. Um, One last plea. Remember, it's not your church. Um, So John and Nicola gave me a a book um, this week. Uh, written by friends of theirs who were farmers in the in the mountains in Wales. And it's this beautiful um, book of parables, kind of observations of, of just kind of life on the farm and tying it to, um, to, to the, the message of the gospel of grace, as, as Paul calls it here. And I was skimming through it, and there was a story about a sheep. Now, um, boys, girls, anyone spotted a sheep? Theo and Amber, anyone spotted a sheep in danger here this morning? Have you spotted a sheep in danger? No. No, have you spotted a sheep in danger? Ben and Matthew, where's the sheep? Sheep in danger up on the top of the projector, a sheep in great peril. Apparently, so I was reading through this, this story and, and talks about what happens when a sheep gets stuck in, in the mountains in Wales. And it, the sheep was, it kind of sees a juicy bit of grass and it jumps down the cliff to get to the grass, but the problem is it realises it can't get back up. And the farmer sees the sheep is stuck there and I thought, I know where this is going. Yeah, the farmer goes and gets it. No, he doesn't. Farmer leaves it. The what? Kind of glances up and leaves it. Oh, why did he do that? Comes back the next day, quick glance, leaves it there again. And, and it could go on for several days, just kind of coming, checking the sheep, and then, and then leaving. And what he's waiting for is the bleating. He wants to hear that the sheep has put its head down between its legs and given up. And is just bleating helplessly. Because at that point, he will tie the uh, the rope he's been carrying around the rock at the top of the the cliff. He will lower himself down at great risk to himself, tie another rope around the the sheep, climb back up and then haul it up and then nurse it back to uh, to, to health. Think to yourself, why on earth would he do that? Why doesn't he go and rescue it straight away? And the reason is, if if the sheep has got any kind of fights left in it it sees the farmer coming and it wants to help wants to contribute something to its rescue it tries to jump up and tries to to scramble up the cliff at which point it's going to plunge down to its death farmer waits until the sheep has completely given up 
That is what Paul calls in verse 24 the gospel of God's grace. So the Lord Jesus knows if I try and contribute anything to my salvation, I am going to plunge uh, down to my, my ruin. The only way of salvation is for him to climb down and rescue me. Um, uh, that is why this is his church. He has paid for it. He has bought it, verse 28, with his own blood. Uh, I don't get to, to pay a penny towards the cost of that. And that is pretty humbling, isn't it? See, I want to be the hero who is abseiling down the cliff. I don't want to be the stupid, bleating sheep. But that's the gospel. That is who I am. And I want to apply that in two directions. I want to apply that first to us as a church. Because the message of the gospel is that all the glory goes to Jesus. None of it goes to us. And my question is, are we at that point yet? Are we kind of not far off that point? Are we close enough to desperate yet? Not, not in the sense of desperate and giving up. Um, desperate in the sense of giving up hope that we can save ourselves. Have we worked out that we are in a deep enough hole that no amount of teamwork, no cheerful optimism and hard work can get us out of this? This interregnum is different to other interregnums. It's not a kind of someone retiring. This is a resignation in the light of a crisis within the denomination. Um, this is a very, very difficult situation. Are we bleating to our Heavenly Father uh, to, to come to our rescue, whether we stay at St. James or whether we, we go somewhere outside the Church of England? The outcome is now out of our hands. The Apostle Paul and my gorgeous wife have been preaching this to me all week. Simon, this is not your church. I've, I've needed to hear that. I've needed to keep being reminded of that, that none of us have the wisdom or the power or the control or the ownership to be able to, to rescue us from where we are now. And the thing is, we have a God who has a track record that says he finds it very, very difficult to ignore it when his people cry out to him, when they cry out to their hearts and know they're helpless, know they're hopeless. He loves to come down on that rope and come to our rescue. That's how I'm applying it um, to us as a church. Let me also apply it to us as individuals, and I'll, I'll close with this. Um, I um, went back, looked at my notes from when I preached this seven years ago, and seven years, three weeks ago, I asked the question. this question. I said, uh, I have the great privilege this morning, I hope it won't last very long, that we don't know each other very well yet. So I hope I can ask without any awkwardness, are you trusting in the Lord Jesus? Are you a member of his universal church that covers the whole world throughout time and history? Not just outwardly. I'm not asking uh, how often you come on Sundays. Not asking whether you tick the C of E box on a census form. I'm not asking if you approve of Christian morality. I'm asking what these verses force us to ask. Has Jesus paid for you with his own blood? Have you done what Paul talks about in verse 21? Uh, Repented of your sins and turn to trust in the Lord Jesus. If you're not sure, let's talk about it. Because the blood of God himself has been shed so that he can stand in front of us this morning and say to us as a church, all that I am, I give to you. All that I have, I share with you. If you will trust in me, then I am yours and you are mine. Seven years on, I want to ask that question again. And I know that for many of us, 
The answer will be yes. I am. Uh, despite everything, I'm, I'm not as strongly, as confidently, as faithfully, as steadily, as consistently as I should, but yes, I trust the Lord Jesus. Despite the last seven years, despite the funerals, despite the COVID, despite the heartaches and the health issues, perhaps probably because of them, I still love the Saviour who has come down to rescue me in my hopelessness and helplessness. And for some of us, though, I don't really know who I'm talking to when I, I say this, but my guess is there will be some of us here this morning who are thinking, no, I'm not sure I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm, I'm not sure whether I'm ready to. I'm not sure whether I want to. Well, I, I don't want to put any pressure on anyone. But my hunch is that if St. James stays within the Church of England, it could be a very, very long time before you next have a pastor to stand in front of you and ask you, why not today? What would hold you back from coming to the Lord Jesus? as the one who loves us, who has brought his church with his own blood. Because if we will do that... There's a right sadness in this passage, isn't there? Goodbyes are always horrible, and I I hate them. Um, Verse 38, what grieved them most was his statement, they would never see his face again. I I hope that won't be true. I hope we will see each other's faces lots, and not just on Facebook, not just on WhatsApp, in person. But that's the thing about goodbyes, isn't it? We don't know. There's always a possibility that we won't see one another's face face to face in this life again in which case what a joy what a joy it is that the Lord Jesus has brought this church with his own blood because the day is coming when God's people have the most wonderful reunion face to face with one another face to face with the one who gave his blood for us. No more funerals, no more farewells, no more promises to keep in touch. Just to be with together as, as the church of the living God with the one who bought us with his own blood. Amen.